Welcome to the Martial Arts Marketing for School Owner podcast, where professional school owners gather to hear the latest info on how to run their schools like a pro. Join Gus Lopez of Lead Hunter Media and Ali Alberigo of LI Ninjitsu Centers for another episode. Now, here's your hosts, Gus and Ali. This podcast is sponsored by Lead Hunter Media for all your digital media marketing. Elite Insights websites. If you can dream it, they can build it. Spark Membership, hands down the best software for martial arts school management around. Academy Kings, BJJ Growth and Consulting. And Gil Katz, your personal martial art coach. Hey everybody. How are you? Hello. You're like, you're like magic. Your background keeps changing to all different scenes. I like that. Uh yeah, I gotta set it up. I still haven't figured out how to set it up automatically. So I need to look into that a little more. I like that background though. It makes me what makes me want to have that as a background. Yeah. So so um let's let you want to do the intro, Gus, today. Uh yeah. So so yeah, definitely. So just wanted to go ahead and interview uh, Kristen here from Quest Martial Arts. So uh, I know that uh, you, you, Ali, uh, were friends with uh, her old teacher, right? Or you taught at the school, right? So yeah, yeah, I'm still uh, good friends. He's such an amazing man, like one of the one of the best people I've ever met in the martial arts. Just a just an honorable, friendly, truthful, great, just a great guy. Like I've I've known him for like. 40 some odd years he's always been a true friend yeah he's great yeah. and he's he's always been super loyal to my teacher too which is just a great character trait yeah that's awesome so i know uh kristen um took over the school from um uh, you know from your your, your friend ali um so just wanted to yeah. talk a little bit about you know that what that transition was uh, and then obviously kristen you run a you're very successful um you know school so we want to kind of pick your brain, talk a little bit about that, you know, some of the ways that you think, some of the yep. stuff you're doing. Um, and uh, yeah, hopefully we can uh, provide some, some great uh, insight for the listeners here. Yeah, that, that's I'm excited to have you. I, I think most no, important, most importantly, and, and this is why, um, you know, Master Badansky had uh, had recommended that we interview you as well, because. It's not easy being in a uh, male, I, and I, I almost feel, you know, like it's almost like you're afraid to say anything these days in our political environment. Yeah. So I'm nervous about it, but I'm, it's almost like a, our male dominated industry or sport, even though so many women train in the martial arts, there are mm -hmm. far and few school owners, but there's some highly successful school owners. I had a good friend. Her name was Dawn Barnes. I haven't heard from him in years. She, she ran schools in LA, taught Arnold Schwarzenegger's kids, Michael Jackson's kids at the time, Priscilla Presley and people like that. And she ran a highly successful school. She was like one of the few that, you know, that was out there at that mm -hmm. time. But you're one of them and you run a school. And do you have any struggles? Like, do you ever run into anything being a woman running a school? Or like, what have you done to just make it happen? Um, well, first, thanks for having me. Um, you know, I don't think that the running necessarily of the school as a professional is any different as a man versus a woman. I do, from my own experience, think coming in and training to be there and developing yourself as a martial artist, 
was a challenge. Um, okay. and, and I don't think it has to do with it. I mean, definitely male dominated, but nothing necessarily intentional. I think it has to do a little bit with the history of martial arts. And I speak mostly from Tang Sudo experience, right? Because mm -hmm. that's the history yeah. that I most know. You know, you had men who went over to Korea in the service, mm -hmm. learned the art, men brought it back you know, 50, 60 years ago, they trained mostly men. So you have um, just by development, a, a male hierarchy right there. So, um, and that created therefore some of the systems that fell behind it. So like when I first started training, there just weren't a lot of women training yeah. the way that I wanted to, or the way that I fell in love with it. So when you're trying to do something and there aren't a lot of role models, that's what makes, you know, there weren't a lot of women role models um, training at the time. And then as I became a school owner, you know, there also weren't a lot of school of role models. So I think it's, you know, that, that part, um, that was a challenge for me, just not able to see or experience a lot of, of women in there. And then Certainly, I think the um, environment in terms of like going to tournaments, there always weren't a lot of women for me to compete against. And I wanted to define myself as good at what I do. So I wanted to compete. I asked my students to compete. So there wasn't a lot of, there weren't a lot of women out there competing um, either. So I think that also added to that. Hmm. Yeah, I always wondered, like, I, I know because being a martial art teacher, it's always been great having, and, and I, my daughter, of course, has trained with me since she's 20 months old. And I often joke with her. I'm going, Kiara, you're a girl. You, you're never going to be able to do what the boys do. And then she gets angry with me, of course. And that's what I want her to do. I want her to be angry and, and fight back, right? Because I want her to be so, and she's so, so smart and so independent. And I think that the martial arts had a lot to do with that. But I, I'm glad I'm glad that you have that mindset that you wouldn't let any of these so-called, uh, you know, parameters or, you know, things that were out there, stigmas that said, you know, you, you can't do it. You're, you're a lady or you won't be as good or you won't be able to do that. And and you just push past all that stuff without any restrictions at all. Yeah, and sometimes I'll be honest, sometimes the pushing wasn't well <laughs> received because sometimes right. I had to ask, I had to ask that sort of hierarchy to think outside of the dots. So, so like or box, for example, if I would compete, they would let me compete in forms and weapons uh -huh. with the guys, but right. then I'd say, okay, I, I want to spar. Oh, right. no, you can't <laughs> spar with the guys. And I'd be like, well, why not? Well, if they beat you, that'll look bad. I was like, okay, a lot of people beat me. I don't know why it would yeah. matter, but, or, or if you beat them, that would look bad. So yeah. you can compete forms and weapons with the guys. Cause there's no women, but not spar. And I said, okay, I hear what you're saying, but let's think outside the box. How about you run your men's division of sparring and then find like one guy, one guy who will just spar me as an exhibition match so that right. my students Right. can see me doing what I ask of them and I can grow as grow as a martial artist. Yeah. No. And I said, cause they wouldn't think outside the box yeah. to allow for that. So th that was, those kind of things were my challenges, but you know, I didn't ever stop me. And I run a tournament circuit and, uh, and it is like that. Like, so, cause if a woman or a girl beat a boy, the boy would say, well, I didn't put my all into it. That's why I lost. When in fact, maybe the girl beat, beat the, 
crud out of them. Um, but also, too, there are those guys that won't fight as hard because they don't want to fight a woman, you know. But in the dojo, we spar women and men equally. Off exactly. There's no restrictions there. We do it there. So, but it is, I, I know that stigma is, it's a silly one. And uh, I agree with you. You want to test your skills because, God forbid, if you get attacked, it'll probably be by somebody bigger, stronger, no matter whether you're a male or female, bigger, right. stronger, you know, and trying to hurt you with, you know, bad intentions. So you have to be prepared for all of it. Yeah. So that, that was one of the challenges. The other, you know, challenge I had, which is probably the only real negative, negative thing I had, because I think the, the sparring or the tournament part was, you know, is, is, is somewhat understandable, but was every once in a while I would go, I would go to either events or, well, seminars, I was usually one of the only women training in a seminar too. But if I was at an event where I'd been asked to be like on a board or something like that, a testing board, I found that men were always introduced by their title, rank, accomplishments. And yeah. sometimes I was sort of introduced as like with a sort of a, um, like a cute title, like, and Master right. Duthorn, Master Duthorn is here with her posse of women martial artists. And I was like, right. Okay, well, I have actually a title, a rank, and a, some yeah. accomplishments too. So that was the only real negative thing I would put out there, yeah, you know. And I, I sort of, I sort of had to train them not to do that. Oh, that's good though. I'm glad you. You know, did I want to be professional. I want to be treated. Pro I have a rank, a title, and a yeah. professional too. So. Yeah, I know in my school too, you know, a sensei is a sensei, male, female, doesn't matter who it is, right? You know, so, but, uh, you know, I guess that dates back to the old, you know, Korean, Japanese, you know, where women weren't held in the highest esteem in the hierarchy of, of a relationship, right? The women listened to the men and back in the day, you know, that kind of thing. So I think it's still translated into the martial arts a little as well. So I, we got to get rid of that. Yeah, and I think, you know, the other thing that sometimes gets in the way is just the whole which I, I like, and I'm all about loyalty and respect is that whole system of rank, right. you know, um, which is great in the martial arts. Mm. When you start to transition to look at business yeah, and, and leadership, you know, um, you know, as I got promoted, everybody above me got promoted. So right. how, so how, so how do you lead? Mm. Because those people, you know, that's where I saw it. It wasn't like a regular job where you went for an interview and maybe you're the best person for the job. Right. Whether you had right. the most number of years of experience or not. Mm. So, you know, there's sort of those issues that come into to it, too. And that also happens in the workforce still, right? right? Like, you know, I know that still part of what women are, you know, up against on a day-to-day -day basis is that, you know, that kind of bias, you know, like a male might get paid more or get, it, get the job before the lady. So it's all kind of ridiculous. I'm glad that you're pioneering and moving and showing all probably even better for all your young women students and women students that they could be so empowered. Yes. So when I started at the school, there were probably two adult women training on somewhat of a regular basis in the school my my you know now we're a, an equal 50 50 oh, male great. female school and the seniority of the school is mostly female wow that's so great that's also, you know that's also interesting you know over you know took 25 years but yeah right. so do you feel like you're capturing a different market uh, and kind of using that to your competitive advantage since you've been you know, training for so long and, you know, overcoming all these challenges. Do you feel like that's something that you have used to your advantage to be able to kind of create your own little niche when it comes to, uh, you know, women leadership? 
I, I do. And I, and I had to be a little proactive, which wasn't comfortable for me at first, like putting things in the paper, like that I went to a tournament and won something or, you know, putting out more sort of self-defense stuff and that kind of thing. But as women brought their kids into the school and they saw that, wow, it's, there's like five female instructors or they would come to graduations and I'd say, you know, let's get out there and demo because that's how we're going to get the other moms. Yeah, right. they, they, they won't know by watching their the kids that martial arts is also an opportunity for them yeah so we got out and tried to really you know do demonstrations in front of the parents and you know and that captured a lot of moms you know i i people start in the school women's come in the school this week in their 50s and 60s starting that's which great. didn't really didn't happen before in the past that's outstanding yeah, I guess you have to. And I remember when I first started marketing uh, and learning marketing 30 years ago, if I put an ad out with uh, little boys, I would get calls for parents with little boys. And I had an ad once with little girls in it. And and one of my female instructors, man, I was flooded with calls from a bunch of parents with little girls going, oh, I didn't realize my daughter could do this. So, so you're getting it out there to the community and people are going, wow, I've been wanting to do this, but I didn't realize I could. And you're, you're now getting getting that out there. And we're, and we're a small rural community. So word of mouth is really big for us. Um, as is those, you know, time consuming <laughs> demonstrations on the weekend. And right, so our right. demo, our demo team also always, you know, is equally, equally black belt and under, under black belt, um, boys and girls, men and women. And I know that also influences it when we get out there in the community and they, and they, they go, Oh, maybe I can do that too. Or I, you know, I thought that was a boy sport or whatever. Yeah. Fantastic. Any uh, some more questions, Gus, on that frame? Yeah, just something I wanted to add on to that. And I think that that comes along with uh, what we talked about, like uh, the lack of role models, right? I think that, you know, everybody kind of wants a hero, right? You know, every you go see, watch the fights, you know, people with a belt from a different country, you know, they kind of represent that country, right? So I think that that's awesome that you're like putting yourself out there. And, and then on top of that, just kind of, uh, you know, having people look at you as a woman role model that, hey, you know, my, my kid, uh, you know, my daughter can join and she can, you know, aspire to do this. And, and it, it's not just like a, you know, a male or, or female type of thing. It's, it's both, right? So I think that's, that's great that you're doing that as well. Thank you. And, and, you know, ultimately it all comes down to whether it's boys or girls that we're really focusing here on making kids, better people, stronger, um, so that they're going to have successful life. So they get to see all of that, but also know that, all right, it's not just for self-defense. I want my daughter, my son to be, to be confident and, um, to, to have courage and be respectful and have those skills. Yeah, that's awesome. So, so I have a question for you in the, in the realm of running a school. I mean, obviously, uh, I've always had, female program managers around me and managers and salespeople and, you know, uh, instructors that were female in my school. So I always loved having that there. I always found though that, and I'm probably putting myself down that they were much more detail orientated, much more follow up and follow through. Um, they, they saw, you know, I was the big picture guy. They were the person who'd made say, you know, don't run before you can walk kind of thing and kept me grounded when that happened. Do you find that you look at your business from a different perspective, being a woman than let's say a male and, and you worked with many male people in the school before so what what's have you changed anything the way things have been done or do you think differently 
Um, I, I would think, and I think Master Bogdansky would, you know, agree that one of, one of the things that I brought to the school was sort of that organizational detail. Yeah. Um, and along with that, the communication to the parents. So for me, um, I think having a really structured, organized curriculum that got not only taught and that the students knew, but that the parents always know what's going on and that you have you know, we have tons of systems or I have tons of systems to run this school because I think that's really important and they're very detailed. So I so, don't know if that's what you're talking about, but. Yeah, yeah, no, I like I like that. I'd love to I'd love to just touch on that and ask you a little bit deeper question. So when you said you have better communication or you're able to really explain to the parents, which is so, so important, what's expected of the children. How, how do you, what's one of the things you do, irrelevant of woman, male, yeah, right. you know, what do you do in your school to make that happen? So, so first of all, I think you have to have a consistent message of what it is you're doing. So, you know, we're a traditional self, we're a traditional martial arts school with modern self-defense application, a community of individuals that helps our community that helps every individual, you know, achieve their best. And so you have a message and then you have to have a, a curriculum that supports that. So therefore you have to have your curriculum public for the parents. So when I signed up with Spark, I didn't do the billing first. My okay. online uni my online university was absolutely the first thing I did first in Spark. In Spark, I, before uh, everything else. Wow. Okay. The, the curriculum went up there with all of the explanations because parents parents want to know and students you know they'll be kids want to know what the expectations are you know it's new they don't understand the culture they want to know how to tie the belts they want to know everything and that communication I think. Um, is part of what makes us a successful school. We work really hard on it. So the, first of all, there's that curriculum. And then second of all, there are emails that go out that communicate with our parents. We post on our Facebook regularly. We have calendars that are public. Everything is really accessible to the parents. It's not, oh, they're going into karate for this mystery thing. And I'll never know yeah. when they're ready to graduate or what they need to do. You know, parents in today's modern you know, world, they wanna know. Do you find though that, and I'm asking for my own, uh, what I go through, like, I'll give you an example. We have our Halloween party tonight. Um, I sent out, I must've sent out 30 emails. You know, people were signing up for the last two and a half months. And then today I sent it out. Don't forget, there's no, no classes, the Halloween party. Oh, I wish I would have known about that. Meanwhile, they've all gotten emails, uh, push notifications. It's on our Facebook page. It's on our website. Like, what do you do to break that down to get through? Like, I know sometimes people just hear that old Charlie Brown parent wah, 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 <laughs> when you talk, what do you do to get them to really listen? Is there anything special or do you, uh, or is it just you? Well, I think I stopped fighting the idea that they're all just reading my emails, which you're right. That's true. They're not. So I think we really had to go with the multi prong thing. I mean, we have the old fashioned whiteboard out in our parking lot. I so love when they that. drop yeah. their kids in. It says what's going on this week. Right. They know they get an email once a week. They open the Spark app. It's listed there on the calendar. Yeah. We yeah. we announce it in class when we walk them out to the parking lot. We remind them. Yeah. It's it's a lot of work. Parents. Um, like I said the communication is important. I'm not sure the the parents always are so good at 
trying to get it. <laughs> you know, yeah, I, and I, I understand. Like, I feel bad. Like, you know, some of these parents are running around like, you know, one kid dropped off at the school. They're shooting off to dance. The next one's, I get it. It's crazy world. And then, you know, sometimes I feel bad and they're like, I'm sorry, my uniform was in the wash. So they send them in shorts and a tank top. I'm like, they can't train like that. But, um, but I get they're so hurried and harried over, you know, trying to just make their lives fit into these compartments. And so you're right though. You, I like that outside in the, you said in the parking lot, you have a yeah, white old fashioned, old fashioned yeah. whiteboard, you know, um, we made some changes since COVID because COVID was bad. COVID was also an opportunity for me as someone who was coming out of COVID as a, in a new building, as a new school owner, you know, I had partially owned the school, but as a sole owner to make some changes. Um, and one of those was I got rid of my parent area. Oh, really? Um, yeah. And so that made communication harder for me. It made teaching and learning 10 times better for mm. myself and my staff, but it made communicating to the parents harder because at the end of class, I used to be able to say, all right, parents, get off your phones for 30 seconds yeah. and look at me. Right. <laughs> I'm going to tell you what's going on. Right. Um, we don't have parents in the building anymore. So mm. that, that we've definitely had to well, I can tell you this and we'll keep it a secret, although, of course, it's on here. It won't be. It was for that period of time where our lobbies were closed in my school. It was peace and tranquility. Like people were coming in, they were leaving. We'd wave to them. They'd go like but Now it's the, I, the baby screaming and the parents are talking and the phones are ringing. One guy's on his iPad on, on level 30. It's so loud and disturbing. Mm -hmm. But you're right, though, that communication, that face to face. So how'd you overcome that? You have the whiteboard outside. You do your push notifications, your tech text messaging, your emailing, yeah. Facebook, and you're able to really do they, is there one thing better than the other that you feel is working? And I then, think, oh, go sorry, ahead. go ahead. No, I just to I say think, Gus next, Gus next question. <laughs> so I think one of the things that made a little bit of a difference, we made a Facebook page that was private just for our students during COVID so that we could publish material and stuff that I didn't want out there public. People go, oh, what's that? It's like a bad form. Right. I go, no, this is just because we're teaching something. And I right. kept it private. And I think the it's a very interactive community on that Facebook page. We post okay. our student of the month on there, our new students, and people know to go there to get information too. So I think having that private Facebook page seems to do better than even emails for some yeah. reason. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah, um, my, my, I never had luck with anything Facebook, like even my private pages, people would say, I didn't even see that post, you know, like Facebook's algorithm is the weirdest. I don't know. Maybe you had more interaction with your group. I, mine was a private group as well, but half the people would say they never even saw it. So I, I started doing everything on my app and on the, on the spark app. Parents say they like the the text message. If we send out like a, Hey, remember yeah. no classes, it's Halloween or, right. you know, but we also put a poll, we put, we did put a poll on our Facebook page saying, are you going to be here on Halloween? And I kind of knew they weren't, but just asking them and putting it out there sort of reminds them that, hey, right. they're not open now. Oh, okay, cool, cool. So Gus, you have a, you have a ton of questions, I know. So jump in. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So tell me about the transition to kind of taking over the school. I know we had talked, you know, a bunch of times, right? There was a lot of things going on. So just tell me a little bit about kind of what the transition was like and, you know, what are some of the things that you, you've learned uh, you know, about that process? Um, so I was already doing a lot of what I'm doing now. So, I mean, I was already in the school, already running at 50-50, doing most of the things that I'm doing now. So I didn't have a lot of like 
things I needed to learn in terms of uh, skills, skill sets or whatever. Well, that, that's because you were a partner already, right? You were, right. So, right. Yeah. Got it. So I didn't have that part. What I've had to learn since then is now that a hundred percent of it is mine. H- how do I balance my time mm-hmm. as the sole person? Because all of a sudden I'm like, all right, well, I still like to train. Uh, I need to teach. I need to train my staff. I got to do all the ads. Uh, I, you know, do all the accounting and business stuff. So it's how to have a balanced life now that mm. you're the sole person doing that and there's another little topic we can go off of but that for me is having a very a lot of systems and a really well-trained staff so that's right. you know developing a really good staff as far as um the, i don't know if you're interested in the how you set up a transition like that because I, there wasn't a lot of information out there like if you google or search how do you sell and transition a karate school because it's very unique business as we all know when you have right. it's person a personality base so my personality was always here but it wasn't in the lead role right so you you have that you know because you everybody master by nancy and myself we all wanted this to continue successfully yeah so i i guess we put a lot of planning into the transition it wasn't like hey I'm, you know, let's do this tomorrow. It was year, it was years of planning and how does someone let go so that the other person can kind of grow into that role and people can see it. So um, that took some planning and then there's the whole financial and transition. That's a whole thing that's very different. Um, And then, you know, agreeing, like some of the, one of the things that was important to me is I said, you know, when I'm the head of this school, there's some things that I will want to do differently. Right. And that, that's normal, you know, whether you're male, female, whatever, I yeah. wanted to do them differently. I would like that those changes or upgrades, as we like to call them, mm. don't happen on the day you leave, because then the perception from the student body and the parents are, oh, it's different now because she's in charge. Right. So I worked really hard with him to say, these are some things I'd like to change. Can we start the changes before you leave? Right. So that that doesn't happen. And I think that's part of a big part of why the transition happens successfully. Mm. You know, I've talked to a few people who've bought school, you know, bought schools from their teachers and stuff. And they said, yeah, um, you know, didn't really work out till all the students left and I got my own. Right. That's not what, that's not what we wanted. We, I've been here 25 years, you know, so putting a lot of planning into that transition. Yeah. I have a good friend that bought his school from one of my best friends who, who your teacher is really good friends with. I won't mention the name though, but, um, and, uh, the transition has been, it's been about a year. I think this year was a year and people are still reaching out to the old head instructor complaining, and I'm, I, I said to my old friend, I go, number one, you retired for a reason. So you don't have to deal with this crap, right? Like, and I said, the second thing is you should stop that from happening and let them go to the, the guy who owns the school now, the head instructor, and work it out with them because uh, they're undermining him. And I don't think that that's fair. And if you accept that and listen to it too, I don't think that that's fair to him either. So um, I, I think that that was a big thing. But he, he didn't have as much of a struggle because like you said, they did it over a year the instructor still taught that whole entire time once or twice a week and so on. But, uh, but that's great that you did that. Is, is there anything that you could tell us like one was what, one of the things that you wanted to do your way or what are the things that you thought would be good for changing? And 
Um, it, it was, it ran from little things. Like I don't want to be open on Fridays. Okay. <laughs> you know, yeah, like I didn't it. want to be like, all of a sudden they're closed on Fridays. Cause right. she's, you know, there, yeah. there's, um, I, like I said, cause I knew I was going to be doing it by myself. I took it over much later in my life than I was planning on. Uh, so I'm 55 and I won't have a grandchild. And I, so there were things I wanted to do. So I said, let's rework the schedule a little bit. That was, that was, um, you know, one of the things. And then you know, just sort of the testing, belt testing system and that kind of stuff, making right. some little, no, no major things, just some little, right. little tweaks here and there for how I saw it, how I wanted to run things in the future. Yeah. Cause people do not accept change. Well, <laughs> just like even you could literally move your building from this place to the next store facility and people would be up in arms. Oh, we like the other place better. Like just people just don't accept change well at all, but that's good that you did it that way. That's awesome. Um, so Gus, what else, you had some other really good questions. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about the, you know, um, organizational factor, right? Because I feel like a lot of school owners kind of struggle with this. They're just kind of, they're doing everything themselves, right? They're doing, you know, the marketing, they're doing teaching, the business side, right? And a lot of people kind of spread themselves too thin and you kind of get in that solopreneur type of, uh, you know, mindset and frame where you can't really grow because you don't have the time, right? And, or you don't have the leverage. So how have you been able to navigate that uh, you know, to, to be able that, you know, you're, you're teaching, you're, you're training your team that you have time to, to do all these other things. Um, yeah, that's a, that's a good question because one, I like to teach. So as this whole transition happened, I found myself being pulled off the floor more because there were more business things that I had to take care of. And, you know, not just the running of the business, but maybe I needed to go to a community event because there was a fundraiser or or this and that. So what I've found is again, those systems that are in place for me really help what I'm doing. And I mean, just to pick one of them, my staff, you know, my staff is my biggest support for, for us being a success, because if I can't be out on the floor, I need to know it runs as if I am right. You know, and nobody, nobody's going to be like, Oh, she's not the one teaching you know, and so that, that staff is important. And so my staff is um, professionally trained. They are professionally paid. I don't have any, there's nobody working for free here. Mm -hmm. I don't, you know, because in order for them to act professionally, I need to treat them professionally. You know, CPR, AED trained, they know the curriculum, they have in and out. Um, They know how to talk to parents, they get training on all of that before they can be on the staff. So there are nights where I go, oh my gosh, I've got all this paperwork to do, or I've got to do this stuff, payroll, this, that, whatever. I know that what's going on up there is exactly how it's supposed to be. So they're trained and then they're able to teach a curriculum again, that's very delineated, no questions. This is what the blue belts are doing, you know, that kind of thing. I don't know if that answers your question, but... Yeah, that's that's amazing. No, yeah. it, it did make it, it did make total sense. So so let's dive in a little deeper on that. So how do you train your staff? Do you have weekly staff training? Do you have a leadership team? Is there like a filler program to staff leadership team? Then instructor training, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. How do you how do you do that? Yes, yes, and yes. So we have a, a a SWAT program. You know, like a lot of people have, where the where the the kids come in and. Um, you know, we, we teach them how to assist in classes. 
Um, and I teach them everything from how to hold a pad. They have rules about what they can do as a beginner, a beginner helper. You know, they're not allowed to really give feedback or talk to parents. They just have a very structured thing where they're learning to teach. And I think with any leadership program, it can't just be based on their loyalty to you, especially when they get older. It has to be a two-way street. So even with those kids, when they come in and they learn all of this stuff to help me, I make sure that their monthly leadership meeting has something in it for them. Okay, whether it's making their training better or this last leadership meeting with my kids, I did um, how to write a resume. Okay, so that they could have like a, a resume for college. And we talked about the different, what, what is a resume and what should you be putting on your resume? And we, we sat here and filled out resumes. So when they left the leadership meeting, their parents go, oh yeah, they spent, you know, five hours a month teaching there and they're learning something too for their time. And that's, you know, the kids program sort of that, you know, they're not getting paid for their time, they're, they're kids. And then we have um, a regular staff leadership. So my black belts, um, like I said, they're all paid professional staff. So we do training once a month in, in person for a couple hours. And that could be anything, like I said, from their CPR AED training to, um, I usually pick a curriculum and say, hey, this is next month's curriculum. Let's come, let's practice the drills. What is the focus points? How do you teach this kick? Um, we usually end most of the meetings with any kids giving you a hard time. Let's problem solve right here and now. Let's talk about the kids. So, so um, and then I always try to give something for them too. It has to be a two-way street, you know, some special training for them, um, working on, on their skills. Because what I found when I first started is a lot of instructors were getting burnt out because they were teaching and not training. Right. How about, uh, let's, let's, I'm sorry, I guess I'm going to jump in one more question yeah. on that. So like when you said the uh, issues with kids, how that's great because we all have it. Like, you know, the one, one, uh, we had on uh, somebody and I said, those are the mirror lickers in the school, the ones that are spinning in circles, you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, pushing other kids. Uh, so how do you handle that? You, you then would talk to the staff as a team and, and then what's your next process or step? So, so we had one of the, this actually passed Tuesday and I said, all right, so bring up some kids. And first, nobody wants to raise their hand. I go, come on. There's someone who, when they walk in the door, you're hoping they're not in your group. Right, right. <laughs> and, uh, and then all okay, they start saying, all right, well, you know, this kid. And so we talked about that kid, you know, what were the issues? And then other staff members would say, hey, when I have them, this is what I found works. Mm. Because we all know if you've been teaching long enough that different approaches work with different kids. Right. Um, so right. we so that was one of that was one of the things we did. I also because I have some younger staff members said, hey, if that kid is giving you that much trouble, you need to reach out to the head instructor during class. That's too right. much for you as year one instructor to being dealing with. You have a yeah, support yeah, system yeah. here. Reach out to the head instructor or or myself if I'm not if I'm not up there. So mm -hmm. that also helped them to know they had a, a plan. Um and then we also just talked about sort of having a little bit of understanding and compassion for some kids because, you know, my black belt instructor, I have a group that's new black belt instructor. So they're all like, you know, gung ho and you're all gonna toe the line. And I said, you know, remember you're here to educate, not judge. Uh -huh. So when that kid comes in, do you, I said, do you know that some of the kids we had come into class this week are homeless, were actually kicked out of their home. They were homeless. Wow. So yeah, they, you know, they may be giving you a little trouble, but remember, you don't always know 
what people are coming from when they come in. I mean, I know more of it than they do. And I said, you know, so let's make sure that we're, first of all, being compassionate and understanding. We want to have standards, but there's a balance in there. Um, yeah, that's great. That's a great answer. I, I think that's phenomenal because I think that, yeah, you don't, and we, even as instructors, sometimes we, owners, we don't know the real true parental environment and how they're being parented at home or what the family dynamic is or who's struggling. And, um, you know, so that's a great point. I love that. That's, that's a great bit of information for everyone to, to listen to that are listening. And we do have a lot of people, some parents, one person commented, he said, parents, oh yeah, like, I don't know what they meant. Like, that's where the trouble is. And, uh, you know, a, a one other person, I forget where they're from, but they're out of the United States. They said, these are all great initiatives and ideas. So that's pretty awesome. They're loving what you had to say. So that's great. You're doing a great job. Well, awesome. Sometimes I think sometimes I think you have to remind yourself, like I said, I had to remind my staff, I said, you know, they're not black belts yet. You are. And, you know, right. not all of them had su super support, have super supportive parents mm. like you. So, um, you know, there's, like I said, I don't want wild and craziness in my school, but I also, you know, also, I, I also told, I guess this is the other thing I told them. I said, I want you guys, the young instructors to be the people that our students are inspired by because you're cool right. and you're awesome and you can do all these things. Let them be, let them not like me Right. <laughs> as the right. leader. Let, let me be the, like this, I, you be the one that makes them want to come back and train. Yeah, because because they're like, oh, Miss Olivia, you're so awesome. Let, let you need to be that connection. Let me sort yeah. of be the. Yeah, that's yeah. who I am. In, that's who I am in my school. I'm like my one main teacher that teaches under me when he's not there one day and I'm there by myself. They're like, where is Renshi? Like, and then if I'm not there, they don't even ask, you know, they're just almost like, oh, I guess, I guess we're not getting yelled at today. Cause I always, I find, find something wrong. I was watching on my camera system the other day and yesterday, in fact, where one of my leadership team members has a friend in the class is a boy who knows, and she's a girl. So I don't know if they like each other, but she like shoved him real hard. The kid like fell down and I'm like, I'm like, what is going on? I'm on the camera, like texting my guy who's, you know, on Zoom, like what is happening here? You know, that kind of thing. So like, it's just sometimes I'm the disciplinarian and that I hate being right. that guy all the time, but you know, that's what we do. Right. 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 So, so how do you keep uh, like, what are your goals for the school now? And, and by the way, you're, you're younger than I am, um, but, but you're there and you said you, you, did you have a plan? Like you wanted to own the school by this age and you're going to teach, do you have a, what they call a crap date or an end date, like where you're going to retire yourself or sell the school or, um, or are you just enjoying what you're doing and you don't know? Um, I, I, I think about it because I think you have to. So I, yeah. you know, I think it's part of like they say, you know, have a will, have a all right. that stuff. I think that's the again professional thing mm -hmm. to do. I don't ever see myself fully retiring. You know, right. um, I, you know, I try right now. I really want to grow the school back from COVID, which I think we've we've done. Good. Um, I wanted to get all the systems in place, um, and I hired after Ma Master Bogdansky, um fully retired. I then hired one of my students that I've had since he was six. Wow. He's 28, he's 28 wow. as my manager. So, and now I'm trying to teach him the lifestyle hmm. um, and not necessarily so that I can retire, but because part of being a successful school owner is not just, you know, money to me, but it's quality and quantity of time off. Right. Choices of what classes I teach. Yeah. Having time to train you know, and, and time to put into sort of the passing on and developing of the arts. So all of those things, I still want 
to do. Um, I still love teaching. I still plan to compete. So yeah, I don't, I, but I am putting in, you know, I'm putting thought into the plan that, all right, here's one person who, cause I want the school to continue who, yeah. who may be interested in that. And I try to share everything with him, not just like how to teach, but right. you know, I'll, 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 I'll pick up a, my check, a check and say, I'm running to the town hall to pay our property tax. Cause you right. have to pay property taxes when you own yeah. a school. Or right. I'm going, you know, I'm going right now to the attorneys. Cause I got to, you know, I'm trying yeah. to educate them to the whole thing. Because um, there is such, I think that that's the biggest shocker to most people who start a school. They train, they teach for their teacher. People start to like them and get in their ears like, hey, if you opened up your own school, I would follow you. And then they do. And some of them are shocked at how much work is done behind the scenes. Like, you know, I work at my computer here at home in my home office all day and, you know, until I... I take a quick nap at two and then I go into my school um, and then I teach for four hours, you know, so, but it's a lot of setting up renewals and making sure people are paying and the bills and the, and you know, there's so much to do. So that's a big deal. And that's great that you're teaching him. And even if he doesn't become an instructor, what a life lesson that is, but you're hoping that you, you have someone and you're, you're training your team. Yeah. That's yeah I mean, I, I, I want the school to continue. I know I can't do it forever, but I don't right now. I don't have like a end date or anything like right. that, you know, okay, but cool. I, you know, but I am leaving on vacation tomorrow for 10 days and that's, wow. you know, that's, but that's important to me. Like, and I say to, and I say to him, Hey, you want a lifestyle where you, where you work hard, you love what you do yeah. and you can take 10 days off and know that when you come back, right. Everything's fine again, because there are systems you're run professionally Mm -hmm. You know, and I can keep doing this longer if I get to spend yeah. a day with my grandson or I get to yeah. go on. I'm actually going with three other black belt instructors. So that's oh, cool. probably not the smartest thing to do. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You still have the, you still, it's a dojo trip in a way or a school trip, martial art trip anyway, because you'll be talking about it anyway. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> I think that's why everybody starts a business, right? To be able to do what they love and then also have the time and freedom to do what they want, right? That's why we work so hard and make Yeah, but but people, majority of people yeah. who run businesses don't do that. They they be and, and it's hard once you're in your business, you work, 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 work. Doing what you're doing is a very conscious decision. Like for me too, like I have two days off a week, even though that I watch the monitor, I know if I was there, I could do things differently or it's not the way I would want it to be. There's a lot of letting go. And I, yes. we had a great, great interview at Master Bogdansky too about that, you know, transitioning, you know, as a part of his mindset, what it took to transition out and just mentally be able to accept, you know, that you're going to retire, you know, you're not going to be the control in control like you were and to let <laughs> things go a little. And that's hard. It really is. I know is. for me, it's been, it's always been a difficult thing for me. Like, even if I, I do a drill and they do it differently, I'm like, no, this is the way we do this drill. Right. Meanwhile, I, if I shut up enough long enough to watch and listen, I go, well, that's a pretty cool way to do the drill. Why do I, why would I complain? But at first, my first inclination is to fight it or buck the change, you know? So, um, so yeah, great. So anyway, um, when you now, uh, how many staff members do you have? How many full-time or how many team members do you have that help you run the school? So I have two people full-time, myself and my manager. Great. And then, and then I have about eight paid instructors on the staff. Um, okay. We're, so we're a school of 180 to 200 students right now. So if that, gives okay. you, any, you know, and, um, but I'm fortunate also that within that, 
It also means that I could be um, away and there'll be somebody teaching on the floor with 20 years experience. Right. So it's not like I'm leaving it and there's, you know, um, a new instructor out there. Like I have three or four instructors who have been here 20 plus years. That's great. And that's, that's huge to my frame of mind and to the, you know, to the, yeah. Parents. Yeah. Well, that's true. And those are the ones like that. I, I have one of my instructors who's been with me for 20 years and I'm always able to use him as a real big selling point. And I have a lot of black belts, 10 years, 15 years. I'm like, look how long they've been here. You know, they're, they love what they do. You know, I don't know if they'll do it for a living, all of them, but they've been here until they go away to college and so on. Right. And, but I think, and that goes back to the fact though, is that they, they love what they do and stuff, but for, to get people, I think to stay for 20 years, you re it really does have to be a two week, two way street, right. you know, whether it's like every once in a while, I'm like, Oh, let I treat them to dinner, you know, all yeah. the stuff on top of just what they do, or I'm going to give them, I always go out for, for Christmas. Everybody gets, you know, some private lesson time. They love that stuff. Oh, that's great. You know, you just can't have them do it because it's expected or they're right. You know, the, the loyalty like I said I really think it has to be a, a professional relationship yeah that's good though and a relationship right even if it's just you develop that connection with the set the teacher right that's that's so important because once they lose that then there's no reason for them to be there anymore right that's when they're right. not they don't, they don't like what they see they argue what they do like as long as you stay connected that's a really good thing that's an awesome lesson that you just explained that's great yeah, awesome. So uh, now I wanted to quickly get into, you know, some of the things that you've been doing to grow your school. I know you were like, um, you know, you took a big hit during COVID, right? So you're trying to get back up and, and surpass that. So what are some of the things that you're doing that have worked for you as far as like growing the school and getting new students? Um, sure. So I think I told you, you know, we're pretty much a word of mouth kind of place, you know? So for example, like I know free trials don't work for us. You know, I know that's like some for some people that's taboo, but it 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 just doesn't. And so um, we we have we have paid trials. So I just want to let people to know that up front. So um, the way that we get a lot of that is from referrals from our school. All right, so they get the automated email from Spark, you know, to um, to to refer someone and that they'll get some karate bucks here, you know, that that kind of thing. So we do all that basic stuff. We get a lot of people from being out in town, like our demo team, because we go to all the local fairs. The number of people come in and say, oh, I was thinking about it for a long time. Then I saw your Facebook ad and we were at the demo and my kid loved what you did. So, you know, so our demos are actually a big part of it. Um, I do a lot of self-defense classes in town too. So that pulls people in. Um, I, I think our schedule, that's the other thing. I think our schedule, when people look at it says, oh, we're really busy because we're doing dance and soccer and piano lessons, but their schedule is so awesome. We can still also do karate because I think sometimes people's schedules, you know, get in the way. Um, and then, yeah, just a lot of, reaching out to our leads through we did we switched to spark and we got a new facebook and we've had a lot of we get a lot of leads through that and i'm much better at following up on them hmm. than i was in the past so yeah that's awesome yeah that, that, yeah that's great info too uh, so then basically now your grassroots marketing really your your word of mouth referral programs buddy weeks 
you know, all those things, you're very tied. You find that tied into the community demonstrations and fundraisers is which one would you say would be one of the biggest or are they all kind of a blend of, of drivers? I, I think it's all, all a blend. You know, I, I would say, you know, and I know, like I do a lot of research and, re and reading on, you know, martial arts, marketing and this, this. And, you know, I think one of the things that does make you successful is you have to know your environment. Right. You know, we're, we're in a town of 7,000 people, you know, and there's seven towns here and it's spread. We get people who drive an hour to come here and they pass right. other martial arts schools to get here. Um, but we, but you have to know, you know, people to hear, there's no newspaper here. So it's right. not going to be newspaper ads. You know, I tried radio. They just didn't, they weren't enough bang for my dollar in there. Right. So right. People always come in and say, we, their intros will say, how did you hear about us? Oh, my, you know, my kid has goes to school with one of your students or we saw you at a demo it seems to be those those things that's great that's so, awesome yeah if you, if you ever change your mind gus is great at facebook advertising <laughs> yeah <laughs> I, had, I reached out i reached out to him <laughs> I, had, I had to throw that selfless plug in for, for gus you know you can pay me later it, it, gus you can, no, you can throw me hard. that check I, later yeah. it, it, i it's funny with the whole Facebook thing, because there's a part of me that loves the challenge of trying to figure it out. You know, I always want to be in control of everything. And I'm like, I love the challenge of trying to figure out Facebook ads. And I spent like three hours the other night and I still couldn't get it. And I was like, it's a post or whatever. And I'm like, all right. I learned a lot, but I got nothing accomplished. Yeah, <laughs> so. yeah, yeah. that's why I, I'd rather spend my time, you know, like you would probably with your grand your grandchildren yeah. than figuring yeah. out stupid Facebook, right? So that, like, that, may, that may be one of those things I have to let go of. Yeah, exactly. I'm with you on the struggling for you, don't worry. <laughs> All right. Yeah, so, um, so you had said now, and let me let me tell the, the listeners too. So I remember the school went from this beautiful bank that you guys, the story behind it was amazing, but you actually owned a bank and it was two stories high. The vault was in it still. Right. Right? You had to, for like a month or so, had to work on getting the vault opened, right? Because it was still locked and closed. Who knows, it could have been millions of dollars in jewelry in it, right? But then uh, <laughs> we got it open and there was nothing in there. I think that was the story. Um, and then you went from there to this other huge facility, right? You said it was, what, 16,000 square it was, foot? It, it was about... 14,000, yeah. 14,000 square foot. You had a full side of it that had a gym, full workout facility, like a Planet Fitness type. It had a sauna room and locker rooms and a massive training floor. That's where I taught the seminar there. It was we great. Two, yeah, we had two training floors, yeah. Yeah, it was amazing. And then um, now you moved to a new facility, and this was all after COVID, right? So you had just moved, or was it before COVID? So we actually were not looking to sell our building that we had. It, this is when we were in a partnership. We weren't looking to sell that 14,000 square foot building. Someone came up to us and said, I really want to have your building and put yeah. in an offer. And we kind of looked at each other and said, okay, okay well, what's the right <laughs> business thing to do here? You want to retire? Oh, maybe I could retire. <laughs> right, right. And, and, and we said, all right. And we're tired of running the gym because in the 20 years we had been there, we got a planet fitness, a Y, a anytime fitness and said, you know, I knew for me, one of those changes, he loved the gym. Yeah. One of those changes was I only wanted to do martial arts. Right, right. So, so we, we accepted their offer and then COVID hit and we mm. weren't sure if it was going to go through and finding a new facility was tough because right. I knew as a business person at that point, from at least that experience, I wanted to own the business. Right. So, and I, and I don't mind sharing that I pay $1,500 a month for my mortgage here. I have 
5,000 square feet. I have a separate building on the property that I rent out for 1,100. Wow. And I have three acres of land. Anything around here for 2,000 square feet would have cost me 5,000 triple net. Right. Um, so the profit we made there from selling that allowed me to buy my home, hmm. <laughs> you know, purchase my home outright to buy yeah. a boat and have what, and have what I have. And I, you know, I don't think that just because you teach martial arts, you should, you know, take a vow of poverty, you know, too, you can yeah. be, you know, be successful and, and, um, you know, have those things happen. So transitioning here, I'm basically doing the same thing, bought a building, put in a parking lot, put on a new roof. Um, and, and it's and five, every, 5,000 square foot, this new 5, one. 5,000 square feet. And, uh, you know, yesterday I was outside painting my figurines on the wall, put, you know, keeping it up because I plan as well, much as I make a living weekly from teaching martial arts, this building is also my, my yeah. part of my retirement because, yeah. you know, you know, in the industry, most of us don't have uh, health insurance. Mm -hmm. Many, I mean, we have a retirement program here because I think it's important. Um, but, you know, having that property also allows you to be here. So transitioning to a smaller place was good. Our electric bills went from 4,000 to 400. Wow. Great. Right. You know, allowed me to hire my manager, you know, so yeah, it was all, all good things. Yeah, that's what, that, it almost exactly happened the same way for me. I had my two buildings. I owned both of them. And uh, during COVID, my neighborhood for years been pestering me to buy the building. And he never, I always throw out this wild, crazy number. Like, you know, I, if if I threw it out there, he would be like, you're nuts. I would never pay that much for it. And during COVID, he came to me and said, oh, it looks like you haven't been really here because you're closed down. Um, would you like to sell it? And I'll give you the number that you asked for all those years. And I said, okay. So I transitioned. I had a second school. It was only 13 minutes away and it has a big, huge outside facility as well. So I moved there and now all of our students went there as well. So, it's, and it's so, it's such, so nice to have just one, for me, one location where I don't have to stress about massive payroll and who called in sick and running two different marketing campaigns and so on. It's been a huge transition from my age and what I want in my life now. So that's good Great. for you. Good for you. That's awesome. Same, same thing. Downsizing has been financially better and then right. quali quality of life better. I think that's one of the things we also learned during COVID is what is the quality of life yeah. that we want in, in what we do and, and, and what time we have left here and how we're going to spend it, you know? So, yeah. you know, this is, this is manageable for me, 14,000 square feet on my own. Right. I wouldn't have wanted. So. Yeah. And you didn't love half of the business, which was the gym. Right. So, so I just wrote, I just put up a quote on my Facebook page. I'm listening to uh, uh, Grant Cardone, Cardone University. And he said, if you're going to be in it, be in that one thing fully. Stop dabbling in too many different things. Focus on that one thing and make it right. amazing. And that's what you right. did. You found what you loved and you're, you're pushing that and making it amazing. So what's your plans? I, I, we only have like six minutes left. What are your plans over the next two years? Um, for the school, what are some projects you're working on? What would you like to see happen and, and so on? Um, so I'm trying now to really start. I'm kind of starting for the new year, pushing my self-defense teaching. Oh, cool. So Very as cool. a separate as a separate program, um, because, you know, kind of going back to one of our original topics, one of the things I think that women in the martial arts do better than men actually is teach self-defense classes. To oh, them. yeah. Good. Um, most, most, they, um, because I think women feel more comfortable talking about certain yeah. situations, self-defense situations, particularly yeah. if they've had a bad experience. Right. 
And two, if you can show them what you can do, it's more believable. I mean, right. that's, you know, so, and I'm a big believer that my self-defense classes are not just about, hey, this is, that the outcome is going to be, you're going to learn how to defend yourself in a bad situation. I believe that it also teaches people, women, how to be more empowered, how to be more confident so that everything they do is more, is successful. You know, whether it's yeah. in relationships, asking for a raise, you know, whatever it is they do, I think the skills taught in there are applicable to more than just self-defense. That's great. Um, do you do long-term courses like six weeks, eight weeks, or do you do like a one class and then they go into a second group or how do you do that? I do both. Um, I, so for example, I get hired by a lot of different people in the area. So I've done it for home healthcare workers. Mm-hmm. You know, happy, they're entering homes all the time. Right. They don't know what's going on. So I've done home health care. I've done um, uh, EMT training. Like, they're, you know, what happens when same thing, you're entering the home. I've done um, the real estate groups. I've been a speaker right. at their, their conventions. So those are all kind of one time mm. shots. I've done banks. I'm trying to think I've done. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so and then going in and looking at their, their situations and really making that course specific to their environment and their, 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 their confrontations. Um, I also am teaching um, six week long ones. Right. Right now I mostly get hired to do those through sort of community organizations. Mm -hmm. I want to start doing them here. So I've got to tweak my schedule a little bit to find out how do I find time to do that? Because I think it's something I'm really good at and I get a lot of great reviews. I'm not spending enough time doing it. Hmm. That could be a whole nother portion of your business. So that's, that's, yeah. So that's definitely um, in the plans. Yeah. We have a client that, um, and a friend of mine and, and Gus knows him very well too. And he works with him and uh, he does that besides his martial art classes, he just does corporate and, right. and, uh, and teaches all over every, every year for that corporate seminar structure. So it's pretty, pretty awesome. His name is Justin Everman. If uh, anyone's listening, if you ever want to reach out to him too. He yeah. Does- I'm re- in fact, I'm taking his book on vacation with me. Oh, cool. <laughs> so that's, that's how, that's why I'm taking the next two months to really, you know, I've been doing oh. a lot of, re- you know, reading a lot of books about self-defense and violence and that kind of stuff. But I, that's- but yeah, I'm reading now. I want to read his stuff on how to do the programming. Right. Right. That's awesome. So Gus, my- you want to finish off? We have three minutes. You want one last question? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that um, just one quick little question. How do you, uh, since you've done this very well, how do you think that uh, school owners can be like better role models and kind of inspire their team? One of the things I noticed about you is that you're very focused on your team, about empowering them and doing that stuff. So what are some tips that you have for that for school owners that maybe don't feel like, you know, they, they should uh, do that as much and can kind of focus more on the business? Oh, you mean in terms of how they should focus on the team? Yeah, how to, how to better structure the training and, and inspiring the team, uh, you know, to, to kind of just push them to help them grow the business. Well, and I and I, I think a little bit goes goes back to what Ali was saying that you have to let go of some things first, mm-hmm. you know, and then train them to do it. So, you know, I really, with my staff, try to make sure that they're given opportunities to lead and all like I'll like actually leave the floor and hide (laughs) (laughs) and let them, because again, that's going to help me. The more successful they are at doing what they do, you know, the more successful the school is going to be, the more time I'm going to have to 
to do those like my self-defense classes and stuff. So um, I think, you know, that I think, again, going back to that traditional hierarchy, I thought when I took over the school that I wanted it to do it because I wanted to be the leader up the top. And now I'm finding that as I'm getting older and stuff, that leadership role is a little different than what I thought I wanted. Hmm. You know, that I actually want free time and I want to develop the curriculum and develop this self-defense. And I'm okay with letting other people out there shine as long as they're good at it. I really spend a lot of time training them to, to do what they, what they do. And it, it seems to be time well spent. So I don't know if that answers your question. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, I definitely answered it. And yeah, I thought this was amazing. You know, thank you so much for coming on and sharing this with all of us. Uh, I think it was a great interview. And, you know, I definitely learned a lot myself. And I'm sure school owners can kind of learn a lot uh, from this interview. So thank you so much for, for coming on. Yeah, and I know you're busy. When we try to lock it down, we're like, how about a Friday? How about a Wednesday? You have so much going on in your life. So thank you for taking that time out to spend it with us for an hour. And I appreciate it. And hopefully one day I'll get to come back to your school and visit and uh, hang out with you guys. So I'd love to see that happen. Yeah, right, that, that, that would be great. Well, thanks for having me. Cause like I said, I was nervous, but like anything else, you know, I tell my students, you got to do things that are going to make you grow yeah. as a, as a person too. Otherwise you're just going to be stale. And you know, we, you had, we nothing, all, you had, we... You had nothing to be nervous about. You, per, you <laughs> yeah. did it perfectly, perfectly fine. Great job. So you're awesome. Well, if anyone wants, and also if anyone wants to reach out, I'd love to share any of my staff training or any of that kind of stuff with anybody. I have no desire to hold on to things. I want to share them so everybody has good success in what they're doing out there. That's awesome. Yeah, well, thank that's... you. Thank you so much. You have a great day. I really thank appreciate you. you. And I hope all the listeners got stuff out of it. And Gus, great seeing you again. And we'll talk during the week. And uh, I, I'll see you hopefully soon. Yeah, we'll talk soon. Thank you. All right. All. Bye. Sayonara. Bye. Thank you for watching another episode of the Martial Arts Marketing for School Owner podcast. This would not be possible without the help of our amazing sponsors. This podcast is sponsored by Lead Hunter Media for all your digital media marketing. Elite Insights websites. If you can dream it, they can build it. Spark Membership, hands down the best software for martial arts school management around. Academy Kings, BJJ Growth and Consulting, and Gil Katz, your personal martial art coach. Thanks again. We'll see you next time.